7. We'll read that in just a moment. Welcome. It is great to see every single one of you here this morning. Let me remind you, as I was listening to your voices, literally just flood. I tell you, that stuff matters a thousand years from now. What, what we were able to enjoy this morning, the Lord hears. Everything that we do at this church, our focus is on the Lord. Thank you, Matt, the rest, for leading us before the throne in just an amazing time of worship. Um, it is more than fitting. It is more than appropriate, first and foremost, to go before the Lord in prayer and to ask for his anointing on this time together in his word. Would you bow your heads and pray? Pray with me. Not, not unto us, O oh Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. We pause this morning and we already want to give thanks to you for, for being here with us. Lord, there's no doubt, particularly as we look at a subject today that is heavy, that there are people that are struggling just trying to keep their, their, their nose above the water, drowning with the pressures and the worries, the frustrations, the anxieties in this world. We thank you, Lord, that you do not leave us, but through your word and through your spirit, you minister in ways that we need it. We confess that we're in desperate need of your care for our soul. Father, thank you that, that you've blessed us the way that you have blessed us in amazing ways. We thank you for this local church that you have allowed to be used as, as a voice of truth in this community for more than three decades. And Father, today as we stand upon the shoulders of our spiritual forefathers, may we be faithful, may we be good stewards of the many blessings that you have lavishly poured out on us. Lord, give us wisdom, give us oneness as we seek to tell other people, everyone that we know about the good news, the amazing great news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for what was accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. And we thank you that you have called us to be in personal relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, that this morning in advance, we give you praise for speaking to our hearts through this word. Open our hearts to hear you. Please, Lord, in personal plea, I would ask that you would grant to me the necessary grace and strength, clarity of thought and mind and speech, so that everything that is done would again be for the name of Jesus and for the name of Jesus alone. We ask this. In his name, amen, and amen, and amen. Last week we transitioned. We have been in chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, where there's this theme of kind of striving, straining forward. We talk about spiritual maturity. Last week we intro chapter 4, and we move from this idea of spiritual maturity to spiritual stability, and it's this one 
verb in Greek, it's steiko. It translates into two words in English. And our stability comes when we stand firm or stand fast. Oh, how the enemy would love to knock you and I and this church off of its feet. Thus the, thus the need for our what? Maturity to develop into a stability. We talked last week about the importance of being unified. That one of the ways that we actually demonstrate spiritual stability is by, by urging others and by helping others to be of one mind. And today, as we look at our text, it, it builds on this idea and gives to us in this text four thoughts, four reminders of what spiritual stability looks like. And I need this. I need this in my life, and I don't think I'm the only one who needs to be reminded of these four very important principles from the truth of the Word of God this morning. Follow along as I read. Lord willing, the words will be in front of you. Philippians chapter 4, we pick it up in verse 4, read down through verse 7. Here it is. <clears throat> rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number one, we stand firm this morning by rejoicing in the Lord. It's pretty evident in our text. We don't have to go very far. We don't have to dig too, too deep. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We have learned that the overarching theme of the entire book of Philippians is what is, is this idea of caro, of joy and rejoicing, mentioned 12 times in four chapters. How people today lack joy. The, the sounds of, of laughter don't, don't seem to be as prevalent as they used to be. Today we, we are walking into a subject that I know is going to be difficult for some to hear and perhaps even to wrestle through, but allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us because it really deals with what a lack of joy, a lack of rejoicing and a replacement with that joy and rejoicing with what people are struggling and suffering with today. And that's anxiety, which is connected to depression. We're facing it in unprecedented numbers. It is often measured today in our culture, in our society. In epidemic, almost crises-like numbers. Jamie Dersham reported in May of 2018 in Time Magazine that 40% that of Americans are more worried this year than they were the previous year. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, that 18% 
of everyone in our country. That translates to be 40 million people are suffering from an anxiety disorder. An anxiety disorder is anything that is what? An anxiety disorder is exaggerated worry. Exaggerated worry about health, safety, money, and other aspects of daily life that lasts six months or more. Often it's accompanied by muscle pain, by fatigue and headaches and nausea and breathlessness and insomnia. It speaks of the fact that people are struggling today with phobias and irrational fear of specific things or situations. People are struggling with social anxiety disorders like never before an overwhelming self-consciousness and in ordinary social encounters. Heightened by a sense of everyone's watching me and I'm being judged by others. And I have a, a sense of fear of embarrassment. People struggle today with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, reliving an intense physical or an emotional threat or injury. For example, childhood abuse or combat. 40 million people in our country today. Sometimes these disorders are manifested in, in OCD, obsessive compulsive disorders, or, or panic disorders. Now, now, we know that this isn't something that is unique just to our day, just to our time, and just to our culture. Because the Apostle Paul, remember, he's writing under the hardship of being arrested. He's incarcerated as a result of the work of the gospel that God has called him to to. Yet he says this, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And it's interesting that it's that, that three-word phrase that kind of automatically kind of bubbles up to the surface. Doesn't it sound familiar? In chapter 4, verse 1, we heard this, stand firm in the Lord. In, in, in verse 2 of chapter 4, we heard what? Agree in the Lord. And now we hear rejoice in the Lord. There's, there's, there's strength and capability in this in the Lord part that really matters. What does it mean to be in the Lord? Agree in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. To be in the Lord means to have a, a settled understanding. A settled belief about what? Who the Lord Jesus Christ is. It's settled in your mind and in your heart. What Jesus Christ has accomplished both on the cross and in the tomb. We focus on the in the Lord parts. So we know very carefully that this is not just a just rejoice like a blind giddiness, a silliness, a glued on smile. We don't need any more of that. An external fake happiness. We're not talking about that. This rejoicing is something that is supernaturally birthed. Evident of the work of the Holy Spirit according to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Where we allow ourselves by surrendering our entire life that the Holy Spirit, what bubbles up from within, this idea of joy or rejoicing, go back to the very first week, our very first Sunday in this beautiful building, September the 30th, and we talked about a definition of what true biblical joy is. What is it? It is the settled conviction that God sovereignly controls 
all circumstances, all situations for what? For your good and for his glory. Which means that our joy and our rejoicing is not, I know I sound like a broken record on this, is not dependent upon outward circumstances, but an inward realization of knowing that God knows what he's doing. We rest in that. And I can trust God that he knows what he's doing with my life, although I don't have a clue oftentimes what I am doing with my life. So regardless of the fact of whatever you hear, which you've heard this past week, or perhaps what the announcement will be this coming week. When your boss calls you in his office and says, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's not looking good. Numbers aren't good. We're cutting back, and we've got to let you go. Joy and rejoicing is not dependent upon external circumstances. The doctor comes into the into the room and says, yeah, we just need to run some more tests here. We found something. We're not quite sure what it is. And your spouse says what? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's someone else. And I'm leaving you. And your 16-year-old daughter announces she's pregnant. When your son, who you've raised since a little one in Sunday school, says, hey, yeah, I just want to let you know I've come to this belief, this understanding that, that God doesn't really exist, and I'm an atheist now. It's in those moments that we choose, we choose to stand firm and to trust and to rejoice in the Lord always again. Why? Because this idea of joy, you and I know this, this is something that is contagious, that, that your joy or lack thereof is going to impact or affect other people. Joy is contagious. I oftentimes encourage people, find someone. Find someone who has that settled conviction of knowing that God works all circumstances in the sovereign rule and reign for your good and his glory. Find someone. Joy what? The Holy Spirit births from within, but it spreads from one another. James writes it like this in chapter 1, verse, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's what we need today in our church. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Paul says a lot more than that. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing this. That our suffering produces steadfastness and endurance. Our endurance produces character, and our character produces hope. The psalmist says in Psalm chapter 94, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations, your comforts actually cheer my soul. I love that description. Paul adds here as he's writing under arrest to this dear church that he loves, he says, let your reasonableness, another translation uses this phrase, this word, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Th this actually talks about the fact that your actions, my actions, our thoughts, our reactions will impact other people. I like the way one commentator wrote like this, our reasonableness is crucial for maintaining 
community, or within that word community, is the word unity. Our reasonableness, our gentleness is crucial for maintaining this idea of oneness. Think of it like this. If your hardship, and I'm not trying to detract anything from the legitimate hardship that many of you are facing, but if your hardship constantly produces a response of anger... Or, 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 or hatred, or frustration, or bitterness, I can assure you that others will respond likewise. But if your hardship produces what spirit born? Joy and rejoicing. You realize that the Lord will use you and your testimony, your story, to calm and to soothe one another, thus drawing us closer together, allowing us to be more effective for the work of the gospel that God has called us to. And it reveals to others what? That it's the in the Lord part. It's the in the Lord part. We're surrendering and we're submitting, we're trusting Jesus with our life. We stand fast by what's rejoicing. Number two, we stand fast by not worrying about the things in this world the Lord is at hand that we believe in the we teach the doctrine of the eminent return of Jesus Christ at any moment the Lord is at hand therefore what do not be anxious about anything this is what I call don't sweat the big stuff because there's big stuff in our life that are hard for us you see it's one thing to just hear it's one thing to what to to read these words or be reminded don't be anxious don't we don't worry and then it's a it's a totally 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 different thing to actually what not worry it's a whole lot easier to just say it than it is to do it it's this word here it's this merry no Paul writes, don't be anxious. He's, he, he talks about, don't be, it literally translates to be concerned with. Now at some level we like, okay, step back, don't be concerned about anything. Well, Paul's not calling us towards apathy. You know, the Holy, not, Holy Spirit's not calling us to, to inaction. Instead, it's intended to mean what? You and I are not to be overly concerned with or have undue concern with. To have anxiety, fretfulness, or stressfulness. Why? Because there are significant consequences to our stress and our fear and our worry. May the 9th, 2018, health, Harvard Health Publications of Harvard Medical School report it, and I quote, with headlines that are warning us of international terrorism and global warming and economic uncertainty, we're all likely to be a little more anxious these days. As an everyday emotion, anxiety, which is the fight or flight response, can be a good thing, prompting us to take extra precautions. But when anxiety persists in the absence of a need to fight or flee, it can not only interfere with our daily lives, but also undermine our physical health. Evidence suggests that people with anxiety disorders are at a greater risk of developing a number of chronic medical conditions. 
Listen to this. Anxiety plays a role in somatic symptom disorder, which is characterized by physical symptoms such as pain and nausea and weakness and dizziness that have no apparent physical cause. Anxiety has been implicated in several chronic physical illnesses, including heart disease, chronic respiratory disorders, gastrointestinal conditions. When people with these disorders have untreated anxiety, the disease itself is more difficult to treat. Their physical symptoms often becomes worse, and in some cases they actually die sooner. Do you understand why we are told what we are not to worry? You and I know, we, we, we know, when it comes to this idea of, of worrying about things, as much as I want to, I cannot offer, we cannot offer one another this counsel. As much as we want to, we cannot ever just say these words. Just stop it. As much as we want to, we so desperately, just, just stop it. It doesn't work like that. Rather what you and I know, when you take something out, when you remove something, you've got to replace it with something else. How in the world our three-year-old, our four-year-old, stumbles or finds what a sharp nail that somebody drops or attack or, or, or a sharp knife and you look over and they're playing with the sharp knife you immediately what you immediately you take that from them but you've got to replace it with something here's a book here's a ball here's a bat here's some blocks anything here's a permanent sharpie Here's a can of spray paint. You, you can't just take something away without replacing it with something else. If, if worry is not good, and we know that worry is not good, it's actually hurtful, it's actually harmful to us, we must replace it with something good. Thankfully, what the Holy Spirit prompted the author, the Apostle Paul, to write... What you and I see in our text this morning is it continues to teach us that we are to replace worry not with something good. We're actually to replace worry with something that is great. If we are to remove this, we've got to replace it with something, and it's replaced not with something good. It's actually replaced with something great. What is it? Number three, we stand fast by praying with thanksgiving. But, in prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So this idea is what, instead of what, instead of just, just being fretful, struggling with anxiety, being anxious about everything, overly concerned, worried, we are to actually be prayerful. Think about this this morning, you can write this down. The answer, the antidote to anxiety is prayer. The solution to our worry is prayer. Why? You can pray anywhere, at any time, about anything. As a matter of fact, Paul even writes to the church at Thessalonica, what in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
Rejoice always. And he says what? Pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. You can drive and pray. Matt does it every morning with his eyes open, he tells me. That's okay. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice what's in common here between the Philippians chapter 4 text that we just read and the 1 Thessalonians 5 text. Prayer what? Prayer, prayer is alongside of giving thanks. Like prayer works with giving thanks. Giving thanks is connected to our prayer. Okay, let's, let's just stop for a moment here. Let's think practically for a moment. Let's, let's apply this text to what our life today. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm, I'm overly concerned. My four-year-old knows how to use a can of spray paint. And I'm concerned about this. Or whatever it is. And generally speaking, all of our worries, all of our frets, all of our fears, all of our frustrations are connected to one of three things. Number one, our own personal health and safety and that of our family. Another one, a major one, is money, or oftentimes what we would call what the lack thereof, or relationships. Somebody's upset with me. I don't like someone else. It, it, all of our worries, it generally falls today into one of those three categories. So we think, how do we... You're exhausted. It has been a long, long day. You're exhausted. You can't wait just to turn off and, and to go to bed. Just pull, pull the covers up over your head. You just want to sleep. You're exhausted. But then as you lie there, as you lie there, your mind just doesn't seem to shut down. And, and you're not settling. You try the whole flip the pillow over, it's cooler on one side, and we do that 37 times, and for some reason, what? Our minds aren't stopping. And so as our minds are racing, and we're thinking, we're thinking, we're thinking, all of a sudden we realize that our, our stomach is in a knot. And there's this, there's this lump. It feels like a lump in our, in our throats. And our mouth gets dry. And our, our heart beat. Like I can just feel my heart beating out of my chest. And it gets like really warm. It's hot in here. And you, you feel like you're going to sweat. You feel like you're going to be nauseous. You're going you're to be sick. And the instruction is what we're, we're told, do not worry. But it says we are to pray. And it says this specifically, we're to pray. And here's the instruction for us this morning, in thanksgiving. Which means what? This is how we seek to apply this text. We are to always, always think thanks. We're to think thanks. We're to say thanks. We're to pray thanks. Yeah, but what do you, like, what do you mean by that? Mm. 
Let's go, let's go Matthew 6. Let's go Luke 11. Let's go to the disciples as they're standing before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, teach us. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. You ever feel like that? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I know I'm supposed to pray, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say here. Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus responds with what? Pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Begin right there. That's where you begin. Just, just begin. Thank you, Lord, that you're real. Thank you that you're really in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you really want to hear from me, tossing and turning in my bed. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your name is hallowed. That your name is holy. That your name is reverent. That your name is set apart. That your name is above every other name. Thank you, Lord, for creating me. And for reigning and ruling and redeeming. Thank you, Lord, for giving me life and breath. Thank you for giving me food. And a mouth to eat it with. And a tongue to taste it with. Thank you, Lord, for, for the breath that you've given to me. And the lungs that allow air to flow over my what vocal cords and voice box. That I, that I can speak a language and, and, and shape words. That allow me to actually speak and shout and sing of your goodness and your grace. Thank you. Thank you. Let, let me tell you, when you pray like that, for some reason, your worries and your anxieties, all of that, all of that disappears. All of that dissipates. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever, the psalmist wrote. It's interesting, the very same chapter Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, pray like this. In the very same chapters later on, Jesus continues to teach them and he says this. Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. But they weren't asking about, like, how do we stop being anxious? No, it just flows from prayer into. Same chapter. Don't, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. Nor what you'll put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, they, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span? Of life. And why are you anxious? He continues on. Therefore, don't be anxious. Again, he repeats it. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That, that's, that's how we begin to what? Stand firm, stand fast against the blowing winds of the enemy that would love to knock us off our feet. Fourthly and finally, we stand fast by what? Enjoying peace that is beyond understanding, that is beyond human explanation. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses, it's beyond all human understanding, will actually guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If, if we are to, if we're to remove worrying and fretting and fearing from our lives and we are to replace what that 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 emptiness that hole that void with faithful and fervent prayer then we know thankfully god promises he promises to hear us and he promises never ever ever to leave us he never will strand you out there but again again it's in those times and it's those times that you and i speak of and know of in those times of darkness, I'm talking inky black, pitch darkness. In times of aching, in times of wondering. In those moments, we get a glimpse of the supernatural power and work of the Holy Spirit that produces this fruit of peace in our lives. What I have found in my vantage point in ministry over the years is this sadly sadly because of the fallen nature of our own hearts one can actually fake love pretty good just one more act of kindness yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna pay for the toll for the guy that's coming behind me because i just love him we don't even know who he is but i love him we can fake love because of the depravity and darkness of our own hearts. I have seen, sadly, from the vantage point of, of what life and ministry over 20 plus years, because of the fallen nature of our own heart, one can actually fake joy with what? Just one more glued on smile. How are you doing today? I'm just doing great. People fake it. Let me tell you this, because what? Because of the fallen nature of our hearts, one may try, one may try to fake, but you cannot fake peace. You cannot fake true peace. It is spirit-bred, spirit-born in our lives. It is what? It is the presence, the supernatural presence of a quiet and a confident and an inward settledness. Settledness. Oh, to, to know, to know in the words of Horatio Spafford, Spafford, although sorrows like sea billows roll, I can say, and I can even sing, it is well. It is well with my soul. It was, a, it was a Sunday morning, very, very early. Um, November the 30th, uh, 2014. And our son, Seth, was teaching and serving the Lord in Kabul, Afghanistan. Sunday morning before I came before we came to worship and he called and he called unusually early on a Sunday morning. He actually was talking already to our daughter Sarah when we woke up. And he informed us that the, the day before that one of the families 
that attended their school, ISK, International School of Cabal, a missionary family that had been in country for about 12 years. Dad was working as a professor teaching pastors underground, training them to plant churches. Mom was a physician. Had two teenage kids who went to the school, John Pierre, they call him JP, and 15-year-old daughter, her name was Rhodes. That that the day before Seth called, it, he was clearly rattled. He, he said, yeah, there, um, a, a Taliban came into their apartments and just started shooting and killed killed the father, wounded him in the leg, and, and the father went to help upstairs to help his two teenage kids, and they had already been in there, and they had shot both of the kids in the head. Suicide bomber detonated himself and destroyed everything. The mom, in God's sovereign plan, was actually at the hospital at work and was spared, if you could say that, spared. Her life was spared. The Grunwald family in Hanalee, the mom was the only one that was left. And they asked her, like, like how, how do you, what do you do? How do you process over the next couple days? And Hanalee responded with this, and I quote, I have, I have peace. I, I have peace in my heart. I know, I know where my husband and children are. It's difficult, but there's so many things to do. Prayers are going out for me around the world, so prayers are carrying me. I am okay. She told a South African newspaper, she said, I do not believe that their deaths were in vain. I deem it as the highest privilege to die as a martyr for Christ. I know that they're cheering me on to successfully complete life's race that is set before me. Asked if she would ever return to Afghanistan in the future, and she said, I'm still mourning for the loss of my husband and children, but if it's God's calling and will for me to go back, I will go. How, how, like, how does that, how does that happen? Anxieties that are indescribable. And yet we know that it is true that the Holy Spirit supernaturally produces a peace that is beyond human explanation and understanding. I do not know. It's impossible for me to know the journey that you are on right now. Some of you. Some of you who are tossing and turning as recently as last night. But I want to remind you, I want to encourage you that God has a purpose and a plan. That he's growing you to maturity and he's bringing to you a place of stability. And for us to close and to pause and to ponder and to breathe in and to bathe in the words of the psalmist. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we close in prayer, I want to remind you that you do not and should never journey alone. God has called us to speak into, to bear one another's burdens, to pray for and to love sincerely and introduce you to Jesus, the one who is the giver, the prince of peace. So as Matt comes later um, to close us, I want to remind you that there'll be people up front here on this side, your left side and your right side, that if you have a question, you have a concern, you have a burden, you want someone to pray with you, please, please make sure that today you take the time to do that. Father, we love you. We thank you that ultimately it's through Jesus, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, on the cross, and the hope of the resurrection of eternal life and what Jesus accomplished on the tomb. We thank you, Lord, that we don't, we don't journey alone. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are real, that you really do care. We pray, Lord, in a special way that the Holy Spirit would minister comfort and cause, Lord, the worries and the frustrations and the anxieties for them to melt in the times of prayer and thanksgiving. And may we surrender to you and allow your peace to settle in our lives. We thank you for your great glory and power. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.